Welcome to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective. Presented to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to another exciting and lovely episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. My name is Nathan. And I'm Bob. And uh, before we get into this book, this Anarch cookbook, um, just some brief things to discuss. Uh, one, we found out today that White Wolf is launching a book in November, which is Hot. cool. And uh, apparently, as rumor would have it, as Twitter would say, it's Tampa by night, which is, uh, it sounds like it could be pretty damn cool. Some cocaine cowboy action is what that is to me. Absolutely. There is a lot of stuff. You know, I, I, when I heard about it, I was like, why Tampa? And then, like, I looked up Tampa, Florida, and, like, it's a pretty, it's it's the second largest metropolitan area in Florida, and... We've always heard the tales of the Sabbat in Miami and yep. all this stuff. So I'm I'm super eager to find out because like that's because you're area. gonna learn it's a fucking war zone, right? I, I I don't know. Apparently, there's a very large goth contingency in uh, Tampa as well. Like it's a pretty big scene there, so it kind of makes sense. Um, there's a I was talking earlier on our Discord, um, and I'm probably gonna butcher the name of this town, but there's like a neighborhood in Tampa called. Ebor, it's spelled Y B O R. I, I'm not super familiar with how it's pronounced. Ybor, Ebor, one of yeah, the two. I think it's pronounced Ebor, and that's like a, it's like a tattoo freak. Like it's like think of um, tattoo freak place. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, lots of bikers. Lots. Barnum and Bailey closed down, and they all moved in. Huh? Yeah. So the t- the town used to be a cigar town. Like it was made famous because before the depression. They it was the largest producer of cigars in the United States. And then after the Depression, because cigars weren't super popular when you don't have any money, uh, most of the factories and warehouses shut down. And then in the last like 20 years or so, it's become fairly gentrified. My brain knows that name from somewhere and I don't know why. Ebor. Yeah, it's it, I mean, it's. It's a semi. It didn't trigger to start mentioning being a cigar place that had bikers in it. Yeah. And it may just be my brain reaching back to Sons of Anarchy. I don't know, but it's I thought I heard uh, never mind. Anyway, yeah, we'll let it go. Uh, it's, it, but anyways, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited it's coming out in November, so we really don't have that much longer to wait. No, nah, no, no. Uh it's been really cool to read about the stuff that's going on at this convention in Berlin, and it makes me infinitely jealous that I can't go there and hear all the cool stuff and meet all the people that I have slowly been introduced to on uh, Twitter. But yeah, so anyways, that's a thing. Yep. So stay tuned. Uh, our game, Curse of Cain. We are hard at work on a daily basis, churning out story and basically creating this world. Our goal at this point, our hard goal, is to launch the game June 1st. If you wish to participate in the game, Feel free to email us. And you do. And right now it is set as a reward for our patrons uh, through Patreon. It is a $15 mark. So if that uh, if that cost interests you, let us know. Send us a character sheet. Send us a character concept. Um, what? No, I was just reading something. Sorry. Um, yeah, definitely, um, you know, shoot us an email, uh, utilitymuffinlabs at gmail.com. And other than that, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's our goal. If you're already on the discord, shoot me a message. My name's Robert Batten. That's actually my name. That's actually my pick. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> hidden. So it's done on purpose. Right. So you can at least hunt one of the two of us down. Um, utility muffins does work. Just saying, but uh, yeah, you can hit me up there. I'm I'm under the Utility Muffin Labs. The fastest way you're going to get in though is that it's a two step process, right? You can send your character sheet in the email format. Just please do that, and then we get time to digest it, and then we want to bring you in for a character discussion to let you know what the city's about, what the goals are about, what the mix is like. Get you in ground running, so nobody's standing around with thumb in the bum trying to get a hold of a storyteller. Yeah, definitely. So um, for our patrons, we released uh, a 30-minute 
extras. It's just stuff we cut from our podcast. So it's um, hysterical. If you're at our five dollar mark, uh, you can definitely check that out. Listen to it. Um, we're just kind of bullshitting about stuff that's not really related to the vampire podcast. Um, just extras, goofy stuff that we talk about um, before we actually record or after we record. So or that people forget we're recording. Yeah, people forget <laughs> we're recording and we're just chit chatting. So yes. All that stuff. Great. Fantastic. Uh, the book that we're going to be reviewing today, The Anarch Cookbook, the actual title of it is The Anarch Cookbook, A Friendly Guide to Vampire Politics. Aww. Uh, and it is, uh, it's a it's a shorter book than both like the Camarilla and the Sabbat. Um, and uh, so we have it, how we purchased it, we purchased it in a combo book called War of Ages. And this combines Elysium and the Anarch Cookbook. Um, and you can probably still get it. Uh, we paid 16 bucks for it probably like 10 years ago. Right. Um, we actually have a lot of the books in these combined, like War of Ages or Cities of Darkness books. Well, because the thing is, the, the smaller books that came in, not only are they old, they're worn. Right. And, well, with us, friends in, friends out, the library of, 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 of the free love library right. that we had to close down and start getting people to sign books in and out. Right. It was a good pick-me-up that we got it, and that just combined two and one. It's a good shot. Um, so that being the case, this Anarch book is actually pretty good um, in a lot of terms of content and feel. I want to just, you know, the overall. It's more or less the philosophies that they hammer home, and it actually hammers home how the Camarilla feels about these Anarchs. And what's going on. And the artwork in this book, I think, sells at home. At least it did for me. Um, when you look at it, it's a lot of day in the life of, of non-elders, right? There's not a whole lot of servants you're going to find in Anarch's book. But there are cool pictures that let you know. Well, like one of the ones in it that I like the most. There's this girl getting ready to go on a night in the town. Her fangs are distended. And she's licking lipstick off of one tooth or messing with a toothbrush on one tooth, it looks like. And, you know, you've seen... Everyone's seen that, right? In film, a hot chick, you know, making sure she's glamorous and just looks amazing. Mm -hmm. You add fangs to it, that's a different picture. Right. You know what I mean? That's It's pretty cool to see those two clash together. But the beginning of the book is what I like the most. The beginning of the book is, is through a guy named uh, Salvador. Mm -hmm. And Salvador is famous because he writes the Anarch Manifesto, which is what right. you're reading. Right. And that's, that's what it goes into. And Nate's about to break that down. Because that's the majority of this book, honestly, is setting that flavor of right. what it is to be a day in life in the vampire. And my suggestion, maybe you counter it, is that we kind of go section by section, because he kind of highlights a lot of, not, well, as we do. Well, the first thing that I just want to make mention here, and I, I think it's important um, just for posterity's sake, they, uh, again, in a source book, they give you things that you can read and you can reference to sort of set the tone. And one of the things that I found the funniest in here was the first thing that they they have you reference is the Anarchist Cookbook. Uh, I don't know if I would advise you to... We may or may not have a copy of it. There may be a black book sitting on this table here just for posterity's sake. Maybe. Um, can't confirm. I cannot confirm, nor can I deny. Um, although I would say, yeah, sure, if you can find it at your local library, unlikely. Uh, go ahead and give it a read uh, for knowledge purposes. But basically, it is a book full of how to... Uh, make napalm in the bathtub. Yeah, make, make bombs and drugs and uh, electronic sabotage and surveillance items. Now, having said that, this book was released in 1971. This is a very old book and probably... Uh, you you probably don't want to follow the recipes out of here just because um, it does highlight my blank path in the roots. I just want to point that out. I mean, I'm not even fronting on that. That's there. It is. Yeah. This, this book that we have in here, this is a $25 book Fight the and power. it was published by barricade books hypothetically. Um, and there's an ad in the back of it for the black book of revenge, the complete manual of hardcore dirty tricks and schemes. So needless to say, this is kind of like a piece of history here. This is a kind of book that, like, if you track down and, and purchased, it might end you up on a list. That's all I'm saying. So it's probably not worth your time to go out and search for it. 
Um, you could probably find a PDF, though. Yeah. On the you, dark web, especially. You probably could. I actually found my original copy of this back in the early 90s on some bulletin board. I have no idea where. I got like a actual like text file of this book. Somebody <laughs> went through and typed the whole fucking thing up. So, uh, yeah, and I went to the library and printed the whole thing out. It was cool. I was 15. It's no big deal. It's done. Um, so, yeah, that's that's one thing um, you can totally check out. But um, a lot of this stuff that we're seeing in here is um, it's appropriate for the time. You know, they talk about like watching the decline of Western civilization. Yep. It's a movie about the punk scene in California. And basically where I'm going with this is it seems like with the Anarch Manifesto and the story uh, that's presented here, it seems like a lot of this is almost just a prelude to L.A. by night. It absolutely is. And so you're going to find a lot of the similar characters, a lot of the same characters in here. Salvador specifically basically tells you the tale of how he became a vampire. He tells you the tale of how he ended up in California and how he and a number of other uh, uh, well-known anarchs in the movement ended up taking over Los Angeles and turning Los Angeles into the anarch free state. Um, the playground it is today. Right. Uh, and in the grand scheme of the game, when this book came out, that's kind of how the division uh, has occurred. You have the West Coast, which is uh, mostly just a series of anarch baronies. You have the East Coast, which is mostly Sabat or contested Sabat uh, locations. And again, this is in like 93, so things are a little bit different. Um, and then in the middle of the country, in the South, in the Midwest, you have Camarilla strongholds. For sure. So it's basically the Camarilla buffeted on each side by the Anarchs and the Sabat. So uh, I'm not going to read through it, but this Anarch Manifesto, this is great if you decide you want to play an anarch game like maybe you could type this up type out the stuff that you want i don't even say great i'll say it's a must right if you think an anarch is making a base character sheet and saying damn the man you're wrong it's really it's really not what that is i mean there's a whole this book gives you theme it gives you a purpose how to write your own manifesto what it means to be a part of a movement be your own movement it empowers you is what it does to say that you can accurately portray a vampire who said I did not escape the tyranny of my mortality to accept your tyranny as a prince. Right. That's not. And, and they, they present this manifesto in a way that it's designed uh, to have been handed out at various Elysium all over the, the country that anarchs go and they hand them out. Now, another, another good prop. Right. Like the book right. Of right. Um, now, I don't believe that there is. Um, I don't I don't know that there's something out there where you could like actually print out a, a handout, but I'm sure if you're industrious and you have the time and you want to, you know, do this for your game, you can go through, take the things that you need, print them out. Um, and then at the end of it, it has this open letter to all canites. <laughs> and it is from the uh, Nosferatu Justicar at the time, Petrodon. Good old Petrodon. And uh, Petrodon. If anything can be assumed about him, it's that he really hates anarchs. You know, and I would contest that. Right. Well, and that's the thing. He says matter-of-factly that he's sympathetic to their goal. We know right. Carlac mm -hmm. hates, and I believe there was the witness to the Yeah, that letter, was the right? witness, yeah. We know he doesn't like anarchs. We definitely know his uh, replacement, which is Jaroslav Pasek, hates the Sabbat, but we can just assume Anarchs as well for right. the same reason. We can also assume no Justicar is supposed to like No, Anarchs. absolutely not. Yeah. And, that's, and that's the point. But I like the way he words his letter. And they say in here, he says, uh, in this light, I must lay down the ruling. An Anarch manifesto is to be destroyed. Anyone caught possessing a copy will be brought before his prince for judgment. Possession of the manifesto will be considered a crime against the second tradition, a conspiracy against the ruler of the domain. This is the crime of all anarchs, and any who possess this manifesto will be considered such. Tradition is all. Tradition is the law. Right. <laughs> so that's th it's throw awesome. down the gauntlet. But, but, but you got to remember, the first part of this book is Salvador literally 
beating the war drum. Right. It's revolution every other paragraph. It's, and and uh, admitting diablery and admitting you know, diablery. Right. He tells it in such a way that it's not bad. Right. It, he's he's like reveling. He, he in was it. forced to fight into into this tyranny. How his sire fought. Um, what is it that uh, were they in Venezuela? I think it was. Uh, well, actually, originally he's from Spain. Right. No, but he gets down to somewhere I believe, which I yeah. thought it was where where his sire dies. Yeah, I have to check. He tries back to on overthrow that. a specific area, and I'm almost positive. Eh, we'll figure out figure we'll figure out the place here. But the point is, he, it's a well known place where there was a badass prince, and, I, and you never knew what really occurred. You just knew that there was some turmoil. It was hard to hold down. Mm-hmm. And he describes his sire passionately locked, fang in the body, fang in the body, as they're trying to drain each other and battle each other at the same time in this ferocious fucking dance. And his sire wins. And then the prince's children beat the shit out of his sire and kill him. So that that was in that was in Spain. So that was during the there Spanish Civil War. So and uh right. And then he his sire though diabolized the guy is the part that you can't miss. Right. It's, and then he sucked and then, him down to ashes. Right. And then uh they talk about how the prince's toadies basically descended on him immediately. It's the prince's children. Right, right. With the toadies, like those that serve the prince. Um do 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 oh, the prince's progeny. I'm sorry, I used the wrong term. It was the prince's progeny. So the prince's childer jumped him and smoked him. Right. Um and he talks about how one of them now has his sire's vitae or vitae uh, and he's in his veins. Gonna and he get will destroy him. him for it, right? He's gonna get him. Like this is all about a guy who is like he even describes his embrace that he was down and he's in like this this sewage plant. And the, the men catch up to him. And this is when he was immortal, right? And all these right. men jump down in there and they're kicking the shit out of him. And his brother jumps in to help. And, you know, they push him away and they, they break something in his body. And he knows he's going to die. And then they turn and he just hears his, his brother get beaten into bloody lumps. Screaming the whole time for mercy, it's not coming. And, you know, he uses passionate Spanish words to describe his brother, you know, um, and, you know, I'm, for, I'm forgetting them, but they were they all paint this picture of tragic, tragic death. And then he gets embraced. And the way his sire embraces him is like a superhero. His sire lands down in there and he's praying for vengeance. He's praying for someone to help. And his sire is this amazing vampire out of nowhere, jumps down there and just rips this dude's throat open his drink and his blood and kills this other guy easily. And he's describing how he had always heard of what a vampire was and that they exist, but he never knew why they existed and that they weren't just some silly bats flying around feeding on animals type thing. Gives you that impression, but he prayed he could turn to a bat one day and fly to where they're the top militant guy is just breaking the neck of the people and he would drain him dry if he could. And lo and behold, Salvador is born. He gets embraced, but sadly his brother's gone. And so now, he has to kill everyone in power. Yeah. It, because everyone in power killed his brother. It's it, all of those that oppose the revolution are fair game because they are the ones holding you down. They sh- they should be they should be brought to the streets and stoned to death. But anyways, the actual sort of overlying theme if you follow this is that uh, this particular individual he's driven by revenge every single time those in power they should have vengeance exacted against them i read it and it forced me to empathize with petrodon this dude's crazy with revenge right and this has got to be a common thing amongst anarchs you know where it's you're in passion and he's a bruja no doubt salvador is card carrying and he's just telling it on the mountain and you gotta imagine everybody comes across he's like hey read this document know my story right rise up right fight and you could have been embraced like 50 years ago and you're like man i'm cool right like every, what do you mean you're cool? You like the tyranny? Mm-hmm. Are you on the other side? And then you're gonna switch because you're gonna be like, nah, man, that side sucks. Yeah, my my uh fifty thousand dollar car and whatever the hell else I got going on must really, it's terrible. You're right, my life sucks, man. Thanks to the printout, cool. Like what I'm what I'm trying right. to highlight is is that it basically makes it to where Salvador is a raving madman, telling you to revolt, and this is why. Right. And then you got Petronon going, well, hmm. So I want to I want to share with you a quote and I feel like this quote perfectly epitomizes Salvador. The revolutionary despises and hates present-day social morality in all its forms. He regards everything moral which helps the triumph of revolution. 
all soft and enervating feelings of friendship, relationship, love, gratitude, and even honor must be stifled in him by a cold passion for the revolutionary cause. Day and night, he must have one thought, one aim, merciless destruction. Do you know where they get that from? They get it from Buchanan, revolutionary, I can't pronounce that word. No, no, that mentality. No, they, they get it because it's, it's, it's us against you. You are well, the enemy. Any given military trains their soldiers the same way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You, you will eat, drink, live, and breathe what we are to oppose any foe. And that's, right? I mean, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of ways, this is just, you're trying to create a society within a society that already has soldiers. And that's, and honestly, that's what makes the book so interesting is when you think about it from that level, at least when I do, I think, man, you gotta, you gotta be deep, deep right, to get, get an angle on what an anarch is and what's going on. Because it's not just like pranking people. No, not at all. It's definitely not the punk hair you wear. It's not the goth outfit you're trying on. Right. It's a whole way of life. And they give you here, um, once we move past the, the, the manifesto of the anarch, they give you some deeper understandings of what it is to be an anarch. And um, for, for anybody here that has like any kind of mind for real world politics, it can have parallels there. Definitely, it is fighting against an oppressive power that seeks to hold you down. The one thing that's really interesting, too, that they talk about in this book is that, uh, you know, Salvador flatly states like, yeah, that book of nod, that's horseshit. That's propaganda. <laughs> right. That's propaganda created by the elders to make you fear revolt. Because if you revolt, some nightmarish monster is going to wake up and he's going to eat you. Fuck that. That's not going to happen. They're trying to bolster their own position and oppress you. And so that's what this is about. It's about these anarchs believe that they're equal to any prince. They have just as much right to equality as they do, but the prince, the those in power, seek to hold that over you. Do they, though? From the perspective of the anarch. Right. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, just uh, just to be Don Quixote, if you will, mm-hmm. Mr. Contrarian. Sure. To, su- to some degree, that's probably true. And, and I think you're right. I think if I'm made immortal, you should have damn well known. Mm-hmm. I'd be the type to want to live my own immortality. Right. Well, it's, and it's the difference, I think, between like a ruling class, like a monarch. You know, I was oh, yeah. born with the right to rule. I am the prince. I am the most powerful. I have the right to rule. Why do I have the right to rule? I've been around long enough. I've been around the longest. So this is my domain. Everything I see is mine. And are they wrong? Well, it depends on your perspective. If you look at it from the anarch perspective of a more open and free mentality, one would almost say a democratic sort of mentality, like everyone should be equal in the eyes of each other. So let's break. So let's break that down. I, the prince of an elder lineage, have survived eight centuries, and I have opened up Chicago. It's mine. Right. I've watched it grow in this metropolitan by my might and my coterie, who now sit as my primogen in one seneschal. We're happy. Mm-hmm. We're good. You roving band of damn the man people come in here <laughs> right. and you decide you're going to take what's mine. Right. And I have to hear you. Right. I have to grant you domain. What did you say? I will do it or else. Right. The lot of you can combine your age and you might equal half of what I am. That's you true. Have, you have no hope. That is definitely true. But then this book outlines like, well, then we're going to spray paint the shit out of your stuff. Right. So, you know that building you really love that you send all your retainers to and you put them up and you get awesome marble ceilings and marble floors. Yeah. You know what? Fuck you and fuck that place. You're going to know we're pissed. What? Right. Because what mean, we're going to do is we're going to go in and we're going to smash your rock floors and we're going to spray paint our tag all over the walls and we're going to spray sewage water all over. We're going to splinter your furniture. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to do all those things. Do you know why? Because we can. Because we want you to notice. <laughs> it's the revolution. There's a revolution going on here. Right. Right. But why I enjoy that. That's like an anarch initiation, right? Right. You got to pose that guy mm-hmm. and you got to make a statement. And I'm sitting here going. It's a tantrum. Yeah. It's a tantrum. It's yeah. like if oh you're gonna cost me thousands of dollars, <clears throat> but you're gonna cost you're a nuisance. Right. That's what you're just a nuisance. And that's what you know. And you know, think about it from the perspective of uh, perspective perspective of those those young neonates or those young Ancilla, who they're tired of having. I, I was free in life. I didn't die to become oppressed. Okay. So I'm not gonna let you 
hold your weight of centuries, your complete lack of understanding of the modern world against me. So I'm going to come in and I'm going to do whatever I can to make you make notice that we're not just your pawns to be pushed around. Right. And whatever that is, however ineffectual that may seem, what do I have in my advantage? I got bricks and I got rocks. I got the knight on my side. What else do I have? I got friends. And while we may not be able to actually do anything to to really affect you, we can definitely piss you off. <laughs> we can definitely take you off of your game. And that's what's important. Because if we take you off of your game and we get the opportunity to spread our message, other people who might not know there's another way, probably other Bruja, uh, they're going to hear our words. And hopefully we'll get to one or two of them. Right. And we can draw them out as well. Because we may not have the Gold Coast. We may not have the Magnificent Mile. We may not have Beverly Hills. But here's what we do have. We have each other. And so you highlight the strategy of the Anarchs, right? Pretty brilliant. Right. And for those of you not picking up on that, what I'll state plainly is the goal is not to charge the mount. You no. do not take the king off his throne because you can't. But what you do do is go and remove one pillar at the bottom. One brick. That's right. it. One brick. And you hopefully encourage other people to also remove a brick because you're trying to start that movement. Now, more important than that, have all the anarchs you like. You're not taking an 800-year-old elder who decided his territory is his. It's not happening. No. But you can inspire a rival of his to consider what happened as a moment of weakness to ruin this guy's platform right. of tyranny. And that's your hope. But then you're only recycling tyrants, right? Because right. one falls. You know, what's that old saying? It's a say hello to the new king or something. Like that. No, say, same as the old boss, yeah. right? Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. That's what it is. And that's, and that's exactly what you got going on. So, But it's highlighting themes, right? For elders, ennui is sucks. Mm -hmm. And anarchs kind of serve to that. But the anarchs also feed off of that. Right. You know what I mean? Your right. status quo and your, and your board, they're coming to shake things up. Well, and, and you know, we really have to give credit where credit is due. Because while your average you know, gang of anarchs is not going to really do much to fuck with the power structure of a city, look at L.A. as an example. That is, you have a, a selection of individuals that have banded together based on their beliefs. McNeil, Salvador, all the other anarchs that that, Christmas addicts, yep. that that were a part of that movement. And that prince became more and more of a tyrant as time went on, as the revolution continued. But that prince... Yeah, yeah, that prince. That prince was a was a out of his mind. Yeah, absolutely. He was, he was a he was crazy a person. He should have never been embraced. Definitely a crazy person. But that movement got strong enough after this prince started getting more and more desperate and doing more and more desperate maneuvers that they were able to go and overthrow him. Not just overthrow him, smoke his ass, kill him, and straight up diabolize him. Had to do it, and. Then you had the Anarch Free State. And for a time, it was good. And later on down the road, we'll learn, eh, it comes to an end, like all things. But right now, you have that, you have that Free State. You have that, that truth that Anarchs can exist. Just remember, state. it's always cool to be an Anarch when you're, oh, 100 years. Right. Not quite 100 yet. Your next 100, you start playing the long game. <laughs> and before you know it, at 150, you're a freaking elder. Yeah. Or excuse me, an Ancilla. Right. Right? By terms, and it's technically 200, but at 150, you know it's in the bag. Right. How soon before you try to take a title of Baron does somebody go, well, you're just another elder? Right. And and that's what it comes down to. It's uh, A lot of it is fighting with that concept of freedom and tempering your leadership, because we'll call it what it is. <laughs> right. You know, the Anarchs don't. They don't espouse a rulership, you know, like you, it wouldn't make sense if they had a, a, a dude that was in charge of everyone. <clears throat> Excuse me. But they do. They have a baron. But that baron is more of a leader. He's more there to make sure things stay on an even keel in his barony. Depending on the dude, right? Right. And we've read some of them are crazy. And uh, so they talk about the movement in here. They talk about status they talk about uh w like one of the examples that they give is an anarch who was rude and uncouth but he had the courage to say what he said at an elysium in front of a prince and left with his life and they talk about how 
now for the time being for a short period of time he's got some level of status you know even if you're a member of the camarilla you can appreciate ballsiness right but that's ever changing there really isn't there is status within the anarch movement but it's in a different way you know it's it's a perception and perceptions just like status in the camarilla they'll constantly change um and then they talk about the enemies they talk about the camarilla they talk about the sabbat why they wouldn't join them. And then they talk about the ideology. And the thing is about the ideology, it's different from an anarchist movement in mortal life. Insofar as we're dealing with a vampiric populace, we're not dealing with, you know, the, uh, you know, we're not going Shea to the G8 summit, right? It's, it's not so much that, but it is. It piggybacks off of those quite often. But it's not specific to, you know, uh, one set of beliefs or another, you know, you're just as likely to find a bunch of anarchs who align with a nationalist ideology as you are a socialist ideology. Yep. It doesn't necessarily matter because really it's about riding that revolution. And then uh, we get to chapter two, the revolt. And it gets into some of the deeper details about um, making alliances and recognizing individuals who are under vampiric control who perhaps may have gotten some of that uh, elder blood in them and then of course like any other source book it talks about the clans and it breaks down what we know about the anarchs and who are typically in the anarch movement for sure primarily as i've already stated you got the bruja clan the bruja are going to fundamentally make up most of the anarchs just based on their overriding personalities as a clan the things that flow through their blood tend to make them more revolutionary. Bruja just need a reason. And it's one of the few clans where if I'm an anarch in the city, I'm still most likely going to be allowed to meet with the rest of my clan. My clan is still going to accept me in. Now, whether or not they're going to actually listen to what I have to say or give a shit about my perspective, that's different. And here's the deal. It's, it's actually the, the anarchs are technically a part of the Camarilla, according to the Treaty of Thorns. Mm-hmm. You know, they're technically allowed to be there. It's just this Justicar came along and said, guess what? Right. But playtime's over. Right. And But he also threw it under the prince's, you know, domain. It's, right. It's the prince's right. If you're an anarch, he can say you're in breach of domain. Oh, absolutely. Because there was a precedent already established by Justicar. However, that if, invites trouble. If you're carrying around a pamphlet, chances are bad stuff's going to happen to you. But if you're just an anarch talking to your other bruja, trying to rabble-rouse them... A good diverse clan of Bruja in any game, no one's going to get a word in edgewise that makes any difference in the end anyways, because you're going to have the young who were like, I don't want to step out of line because I could end up getting smoked by the prince or my sire or whatever. You're going to have the older ones who were like, look, let's break this down philosophically. I understand your, and and this is where it's going to go. You're going to have the anarchs who are frustrated and pissed and who are like, wake the fuck up. Your iconoclast versus the idealist versus the anarchs. And and somewhere in the middle, there's going to be your primogen. Shut up. Right. All of you, shut up. Right. And you're going to have those that that quietly support you, but they don't want to be seen as associating with anarchs because then they could get, so it creates this multifaceted opportunity for a lot of interesting role play where wheels will turn and very little will get done. I find those to be exceptional scenes. The next big clan that we have, and I use clan in air quotes, which you can't see, is the caitiff. Those without a sire, or those that don't know their lineage, are typically ostracized in most cities. They're considered thin-blooded, they're a blight, they're a waste of good, uh, you know, good feeding. The anarchs are more than willing to take their banner. Yeah, come on in. You're disenfranchised. Of course, you just have to be immortal. That's 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 right, it. Right. Then and we have uh, the next. I mean, it, they're caitiff. It it is what it is. But uh, then we have the Gangrel, who are are can oftentimes be sympathizers, but rarely do they ever give a shit about the politics enough to actually join in. And that's the thing. This is very political. Right. Gangrel are the type to come in and poach anyway. They don't give a damn about your alleged feeding ground what. Right. They're just going to respect the masquerade because they know that's what pisses people off and then they're gone. Right. And it goes on from there. We won't go over all of them. This gives you some opportunity to read these clans and see their perspectives. Um, Then they talk about other allies. They talk about, of course, uh, the Arcanum, the Inquisition, 
mages, things like that, and how those interact. Then they break down some degree of the actual kind groups, kind of what I was talking about earlier. You know, your echo gorillas, your skinheads, your black panthers, and how all of those things fit in to the anarch movement. And <laughs> then they give you another section about uh, getting away with stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sneaking into the city, uh, using tactics to, you know, dis, uh, you know, break up the supply lines and things like that. Um, and, uh, you know, begging for forgiveness, begging <laughs> for your life, you know, stuff like that. Good Don't stuff. Kill me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I, I, I had no choice. You know, things like that. Then uh, they talk about the outside world. And so, or the world outside, I'm sorry. And they talk about the Anarch Free States here. And you'll get a whole book on that. Just please be patient. You can go buy it now. It's called LA by Night. Um, then they talk about all the different locations where we talked about earlier the, you know, the Midwest kind of being the Camarilla, the South sort of being the Camarilla at this time. Yep. And all those different locations that sort of buffet it. Um, another important sort of stronghold for anarch movements is South America. And if you're familiar with geopolitics at this time, that makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of revolution going on at this time in South America. The sort of overthrow of governments sort of put there for the purposes of ruling, you know, these banana republics, people that are forced to work in these fields and pick fruit for virtually no pay eventually those people rise up and say, you know what? We're tired of being ruled by a rich class that has no stake in our homeland. You have revolution. And behind those revolutions, you have anarchs. You have anywhere you have people, you're going to have vampires. And where there's revolution, you're going to have anarchs. And then uh, from there, they give you an interesting page and they go through and they quote all of these different individuals uh, uh, from different clans about their opinions on the Anarchs. And then we go to our next chapter. And the next chapter is all about weapons for the fight. And when I referenced this black book earlier that we don't have sitting on our desk here, that's kind of what this is. This is your vampiric version of... Right, how to make down and dirty. How to get equipment when you don't have money to get equipment. Right. Or you just don't have access to it. And you're introduced to you know, some computer secondary knowledges, uh, secondary abilities, computer hacking. And they give you rules here for computer hacking. Now, in a more modern setting, there's going to be better rules for this. They've been updated and given new information. And then they talk about all the different maneuvers you can use, the martial arts. Because, hey, fighting in the streets, you got to know some stuff. You got to know karate. Right. And, and this, you know, this is kind of cool. It's different than what you'd find in like a Sabat book or a Camarilla guide. It's a, so, it's a book on war. It's right. a book on how to do guerrilla warfare. Right. And it, they give you all kinds of interesting information. And they talk to you about the media and how anarchs can affect the media, news media, Hollywood, television. And then they actually have some rituals. And we'll let you read those as well. Uh, but... Uh, they're a little bit different. It's kind of weird that there's rituals in here, but there's only like three of them. Uh, and then we move on to the next chapter where we talk about actually starting a war in a city. Right. This will give you your map and your readout on inciting a riot, on participating in guerrilla war. So this is going to give you all of those keys as an anarch of of things that you can do to disrupt the system to actually start a war and they follow a rollout format that's very similar to the one in the sabat book about how to take over a city but from the anarch perspective like right. how they have to do it right and, it, it, and it's it's interesting to see it more from a humane perspective because at the end of the day the anarchs are incredibly different from the sabat insofar as their freedom the Sabbat's desire for freedom is a desire for freedom against these ancients that, uh, you know, control the Camarilla and their Cain's army. Well, the Anarchs are, well, they're just trying to live. They're just trying to survive, get through the day or get through the night, rather, and get through the day too, and keep their peace. But they are opposing the Camarilla and that, that system needs to go away. They're, they oppose the Sabbat too, 
but in a very different way. The Sabbat is uh, much more warlike than the Camarilla is. And that's about it. It goes into the postscript. And the postscript talks about, you know, the begging for mercy. And uh, then we go into a who's who among the Anarchs. And again, all of this stuff, this is great. But a lot of these characters you're going to see again in California by night or California by L.A. by night. I uh, think you had it right the first time. <laughs> it really is. The book covers a, right. a I mean, swath. Los Angeles is huge. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a gigantic metropolitan area. And um, most of these characters you're going to get to see at a later date. You're, uh, you are introduced to Justicar Petrodon, and they give you some role-playing hints on there. And uh, then at the end, you have some slang and a really cool ad for Trinity Battleground. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, so, I mean, that's it. It's a relatively short book. It's uh, it's only 86 pages, so, I mean, it's, like, just barely bigger than a clan book. And really, we chewed in the beginning there mm-hmm. on what that book's about. Right. You know, Salvatore, and then, hey, here's what the Anarchs think. Right. Here's how they do. Here's how you might do. And the one thing I want to pay, uh, go back and kind of pay a little attention to is how Anarchs initiate people. You don't just say you're an Anarch, hold up your printout, and you're done. <laughs> you, you gotta find anarchs and then they want to put you through initiation you gotta right. prove you got it and we already mentioned one with how you would you would jack up a prince's holding right right i have another one i like and it's probably my favorite That's of the fucking two beautiful where you go to a, a theater right normally a prince like a, a city like seattle or chicago dc these are gonna be cities that have fantastic theaters to sit in and watch stage performances and this one says like i'll just use an example this one says you're gonna go into cats right it, it comes from shock. It go, comes into Chicago from time to time. They have this great theater to have in downtown and they go ahead and sneak in there. You know, the prince is there. You're the Anarch. Well, your Anarch buddies are watching. They're in the audience. Your job is to sneak on stage either as a member of the cats acting troupe. how you pull that off is on you, but you're supposed to come walking out and jack up the performance on purpose. Cause it's a beautiful artistic show. The cats is putting on, you're supposed to get it off its rails. And your whole goal is to taunt the prince, not to break the masquerade, but to ruin his Elysium for that night. And that's what I enjoy about it. Um, and it says, you know, here's some tips. You know, if it's a comedy, you got to come out there and be very serious and dark. If it's uh, serious and dark because it's a drama, then you got to make it a comedy. And the point is, is you're enough on there for the performance to, to, to really ruin it. It's that simple. But when you're done, they know that you're down. Right. You've mocked him sufficiently. I I, I thoroughly enjoy that uh, that initiation, right? That hazing ritual. Uh, I I have to honestly say, for me, the most fun I'm gonna have, just sort of openly role playing, is playing an anarch. I love the Sabbat. I love to play the Camarilla, but I feel like there's a freedom when you play an anarch. Uh, you don't you don't need anybody. Right. You're. It, it's like walking around with a sort of just blatant like self-justification like it's obvious you're all the bad guys you've oppressed us right i can do whatever i want because i'm gonna bounce i'm gonna flee i'm gonna run and we've told stories about uh playing anarchs so i won't bore you with all the details about that stuff again but i will say this as far as this book is concerned i feel like it's definitely a great book for a collector it's a good book to have to get an entry point into the Anarchs. Now, having said that, there are newer books. There's the Guide to the Anarchs that are much more detailed. They are, uh, they're bigger. They give you way more information. And they're revised. They're revised for the game in a more modern setting. Now, having said that, it's still what, like a 12 or 15-year-old book. Right. But... It's it's worth to get this book just for that introduction, but a lot of this stuff is going to be regurgitated in another book. It's going to be revised and regurgitated in the Anarch book. So there's other things out there that you can get to get your start with Anarchs. I feel like if you're new to this game and you want a good starting point, great, pick up this book. But no, there's more stuff going on in later editions. The revised edition of this book the uh, guide to the anarchs is a is a traditional guide in the sense that you know like the guide to the camera guide to the sabbat this is a guide to the anarchs so if you want to run an anarch game you want to play an anarch i would probably go with that revised edition book 
But again, if you're a collector, pick this up. Why not? See where it started. Now, I'll tell you, this book does one thing that the other one doesn't. It establishes a relationship Anarchs had with the Justigars. The other one's going to tell you about them, mm -hmm. but it needs to make room for all the other content. Right. This one goes in detail about the um, about that story. Do you need the story? Yeah, I think you do. I think you need it more than the collector only, but if you're a person who wants to get what it's like to read a manifesto yeah, and how they want you to feel, that's in there. That's definitely worthwhile. Um, and because it's, it's relatively inexpensive, especially now. Yeah, I'm sure you can get it for a couple of bucks on drive through RPG on PDF. Oh, yeah. Let them do probably, the pretty. Yeah, you could probably get the print-on-demand of this book or this uh, this collection that we have, War of Ages, for way less than what we paid for it when we bought it. So. Right. All righty. Well, that's, uh, that about wraps up the Anarch <laughs> Cookbook. So next week, our podcast will give you a twofer. We're going to briefly talk about the Book of the Damned. Uh, I feel like it's good to just talk about, to let you know, but that diverts into Mind's Eye Theater. Right. So we're going to briefly go over it, maybe five or ten minutes, and then we're going to do the Clan Book Torador. And that, <laughs> I would pay attention to that podcast if you think you're a Torador, if you've ever played one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip the script on you, because I guarantee you there's some nuance that you're not seeing. You, you're not the beautiful people. You're a beautiful <laughs> monster. So definitely check it out. It should be a pretty fun podcast, especially since we get to briefly go over two different books. I always yep. like those when we get to discuss a couple of different books. But uh, I, I just want to emphasize, like, yeah, you're totally right there. The Book of the Damned is basically just going to be rehashing all the stuff we already know and giving you rules to play it in live action. And there's going to be a whole other set of podcasts about live action books. So... And, and, I, and I, we're damn near experts, so <laughs> we can go through that. Uh, so I just want to remind you folks, um, you know, if you're interested in finding out more about our online Vampire the Masquerade game, you know, definitely send us an email or hop on our Discord. Um, if you have a Twitter or if you have a Facebook, please click on those. If you go to our website, I will leave you a link to join it. Now, as far as myself is concerned, I'm usually only ever on at night after work. You know, it's it's hard for me to get on. Uh, Robert is my resident Discord guru. So <laughs> if you cannot find my name, there's two storytellers that are listed under there. Myself, Bob, hit him up, have him add you as a member, and then you can explore freely. When sure. you first join that Discord, you're just going to be considered like a an anybody. So you'll only have the option to chat in our waiting room. Until we get to you, connect with you, add you as a member, then you can do do your thing. Why the waiting room? Well, it's simple. We want to make sure that the pe we don't have just anybody joining. Um, here's the thing. A lot of people will go visit a page and then click on it and then jump in, not knowing what it is. And right. then once they're in there, they act a fool because yeah. it's the internet. And, and to be fair, I want to share a quick story here. The first here day that I released the Discord, that I opened it up, or that Bob and I uh, sort of launched it and gave that link out, um, we had some fellows that came in and decided it would be a really good idea to, to show us a lot of pictures of horse penis. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Just> horse pe <laughs> and my, horse penis. my naive ass was like, Oh, you know, the only people that are ever going to come in here are people that we give the link out to, except I posted it on Twitter. So literally anyone could have stumbled across it. And then I was like, Oh no, I don't want my, I don't want our fans to have to look at horse penises unless they ask for it specifically. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, unless so we did ask for it. <laughs> and, then, and then addendum to that, I think the same two guys I told you were asking me that night going, right. Uh, who's, who's this chick that's up here that is a random phage? Is that, is it, is that who we talked to her? And I'm like, who the fuck are you? Right. And then I was like, well, look, dude, that's me. Yeah. They're like, what? Robert Batten, that's my code name right there. Just stop hitting on me. Yeah, needless to say, we had to block and ban some folks. Um, but thank you, gentlemen, for teaching us a very valuable lesson, which is never trust anyone. That the internet does not stop you <laughs> from your alter neurosis, from jumping to the yeah. floor to jump on in. From showing us large horses with many people on them to large horse penises. I don't know if I've established that enough. I'm scarred for life. Yeah, you can't take that back. No, once, I'll, once never seen, that. I'll never get that. I'll never get that time back. I didn't ask for it. It was put right in my face. So anyways, thank you folks for listening. We definitely appreciate your support and your feedback. If you have not, you can go to our uh, website, go to our Nerd Words podcast, and you can listen to the podcast we were guests on last week. It's a long podcast. It's about Vampire the Masquerade. It's kind of like a... 
first timers uh, entryway into vampire. And I think Chad held us hostage. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, blame him for that. He held definitely. us hostage. He yeah. kept us there. <laughs> and definitely check out Dead Game Society. Also, if you are interested in playing vampire, if you're interested in LARPing and you've never done it before, you need to check out One World by Night. They've been awesome in supporting us, giving us that uh, that boost, you know, throwing us out on Twitter. Go check them out. You'll be able to search for uh, games in your area, what kind of genres there there are. Definitely check them out. And I, and I will tell you, um, if you've listened to Nerd Words, there, there was a generation that when every organization has a restructuring, and if you had anything heard in the past, judge people and organizations based on who's doing it now, not on the reputation you've heard. I want to say that because that's... yeah. You're going to hear a different tale from you and me right. on Nerd Words about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It. But in contacting them on a professional level, they're all right. And you got to consider you're filtered through an audience that will love you on some and hate you on another. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you got to judge your own. But for us, I think the big part of the like post-podcast stuff that we do, at least for me, is definitely trying to get people that have a passion for this game together, get them talking, make friends, and make friends all over the place. Because there are so many people that enjoy this game that enjoy these products that just don't have a way of getting in touch with other people. They don't know these things are out there. So having said that, if you run a game, if you are, if you work for an org and you are looking for people to play, if you want to play and you don't know where to find a game, hit us up. We'll work as your middleman. We'll find people. Yeah, definitely. All, all night long. People talk about in our discord, like the games that they go to the stories that they have, how to get in touch with people. So definitely Shoot it out to us, any info you have. and Why we'll, we're doing a Chronicle Online is to give that to, that benefit to people worldwide. Right. Because there are people from all over the country, the United States, all over the world that we'll, we would never otherwise have the opportunity to play with, to interact with, to experience their imagination. Because it's a thought. We went to Gen Con for years thinking the very best of the world show up there. And... Yeah. The very best, maybe in the Midwest, within right, like a two hundred right, mile radius, right, we, right. that have time and money to take a break from life. We had occasional people, like the farthest was shocker, South Africa, but you know that was a haul, right? <laughs> but right. That was the diamond in the rough. And also, you know, the thing is with like a Gen Con scenario, you you have a couple of games running. You have a couple of people who might have a different taste, and you know, or they might know somebody else. It's not or, at your pace. You don't know the people. What you what you see is what you get. You pay your money, you takes your chances. At right. least here, right? When you're online with us. If you're listening to our podcast, you trust us, you like us, and you think we know Vampire, I know we do, right. but that's my opinion, get it? So, but if you do want to, want to take, basically, we're opening a playground for you to relive, or for those of you who are new, step in to a fun world of darkness where right. we care. And there's no pressure. You do what you want. You play when you want to play. Do you. All right. Well, enough uh, lollygagging. Thank you, folks, for listening. I, again, am Nathan. And I'm Bob. And we will talk to you again next week. See ya.